0: I'll figure it
1: out. <laughs> okay, so I guess um, we'll do that again. Yeah. So you could just start if you if, if you want.
0: Okay. So my name is Julie Gray. I am a serial entrepreneur, but um, I guess I do a little bit of everything. Yeah.
1: And we were talking um, off recording about how you kind of got into this space, how it started for you, if you don't mind sharing some moments of your journey or, like, how you got to this point, basically.
0: So, basically, I really, I don't know how to explain this, like, I got to this point of where I am, I guess, with entrepreneurship and wanting to do business because for a decade of my life through my 20s, I was a stay-at-home wife and mom. You know, I didn't work. Uh, I just took care of my ex-husband and my kids, and I feel like when I got out of that space, when I got a divorce, my mom passed away at the same time, I was kind of in a dark space where I was kind of lost, you know, when you're living your life for others, basically, I was living my life, like, you know, for my ex-husband and my children, I kind of got lost in not knowing what I wanted to do with myself. Mm. you know and for that aspect once I was thrown out of that into the real world and like my bubble got popped I was like well shit I gotta figure it out you know and at that moment in time it was like a process of okay who are you what do you like to do cause at this point you could be anyone you wanna be do whatever you wanna do cause I really didn't have like anything I guess to back myself cause I got married when I was so young you mm. know And um, it was just, I guess, the process after all those things happening and being in that space that, I guess, projected, okay, you got to do what you love. What do you love? I love art. I love business, you know. Um, I knew I always wanted to work. I just wasn't in a place in my life back then where I could work because it was if I was to work and be at home in America, I'd have to give up the aspect of, my ex-husband and my family like you know having my family together Mm -hmm. so I was choosing one or the other and I chose that life but after that life ended and my second life happened it was like okay so now I'm going to be who I knew I always wanted to be right someone in business Um, and as I guess I could say a, a woman empowered in a sense you know I guess to create something different also and that got me to where I am today where, you know, now I do stuff in art and music, you know, in business and whatever, you know. I do a little bit of everything. It's um,
1: interesting um, that moment of having sort of time to figure out who you really are, what you really like is what most people are chasing now. Yeah, And they're realizing that, you know, after 20, 10, whatever, however many years in the 9 to 5 world, they're kind of like... I never took time to figure out who I am. Right. So for you, what was that like thinking process like? Did you, uh, you, you said you were already interested in art. Um, I guess you could speak on when that interest developed because you do have a presence in that realm at right. the moment. So when did that interest develop for you?
0: I think as a child. So I've always been artistic. I wanted to be an architect when I was younger. I used to draw houses all the time. Like at a small age, like four or five years old, I used to love to draw houses. Um, and I just loved to draw, but I also loved to read. I loved music. So art in a sense in a whole, not just mm. physical art of drawing, you know? Um, and I think at a young age, I always knew I was different in a sense that I still loved the things that other kids hated other, like, you know, I loved to write, so I would have journals and just write and write and write, and then read books, you know, I was always in the library, and none of my friends liked to do any of those things, yeah. you know, so I always knew, okay, well, you know, you guys, and and what's funny is growing up, and even into my teenage years, you were considered a nerd if you liked art, you know, and and reading and all that stuff, but now I feel like transitioning over, I'm in my 30s now, right? Over the last, probably, I want to say decade, I feel like, and I think Kanye played a big role in this, where he made art cool, in a sense, where it was more accepted into, I guess, the music world, like, you mm-hmm. know, into another realm of society, right? That it was, a, you were a nerd or a geek if you liked to do these things before, and now it's just cool.
1: Or like an artist can't look like this.
0: Right, or, right, like... right. And, and I always try to tell people, even to this day, I'm like, Everything is art. And I'm like, you guys, you know, sometimes people think I'm crazy when I'm like, you know, I see a trash can outside, but the way it's sitting and the light hits it or whatever, I'm like, oh my God, that's beautiful. And they are be like, you're nuts, it's a freaking trash can. You know, but I was like, you have to see the beauty in everything, you know? And I think for me, I knew I wanted to do something in that realm, which kick-started my first project in moving to Houston, which was my original Playhouse. And that was basically a street art gallery that I took eight local Houston artists here. And I most of them were graffiti artists who, you know, did work on the outside of buildings. And I wanted to bring them all together to bring that art into the inside of the buildings where people mm. can actually touch, feel, you know, and see it up close and realize that graffiti is not bad you know because there's a taboo on it right if Mm -hmm. it's graffiti it's like dirty but yeah vandalism but um to see on the inside and actually see it for what it really is it's like it's beautiful you know and to appreciate it in another in another form
1: absolutely it's an expression and um, creating experiences um, is really valuable for for humans you know it serves multiple different purposes Um, for somebody it could be escapism for another person, it could be an introduction to towards something that they didn't know they liked. So what was your experience like running that and curating that?
0: Um, it was good. It was good in a sense because it was my first time doing it, and I made sure I was there every single day. So as soon as someone walked in that door, it was like, okay, you're going to meet me. I'm going to meet you. I wanted to meet people, and I wanted to really understand people in the dynamic of, like, What do you see? Because what I see is not what you see. So Mm -hmm. I made sure I I talked to everyone. We're good. I talked to everyone in coming and leaving, you know, and um, I got great feedback on it, you know. And it's just so different to see, I guess, art in that aspect um, from all the different type of people. It was like I had schools coming in with field trips of young kids to elderly folks thinking it was like they were going to, like, the actual art museum, but they weren't, you know? And mm. they had a good time because it was just so different.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I, my sort of experience with that world has been limited to one place, which is seismic oh, winter. Yeah. And it's kind of like the same idea, right? You right. get to see art. Um, you get to experience things. Right. And it's it's an experience with somebody as well. Right. Uh, so it's really cool. A um, touch on the personality aspect. You said you like meeting people. Or you like talking to people. I Have do. Have you always been extroverted?
0: No. So I think as a child growing up, I wasn't. I hated talking to people. I was very introverted in a sense where I was always by myself, you know, and I didn't mind. But I think as an adult to this day, I still am the same way in a sense where I love being alone and I do everything by myself because... I'm very independent in a sense where I have an issue where I like to, when I need something done, it has to be done. You know, I don't like to wait on people. So that sense, I do everything by myself, you know. Um, But in retrospect, uh, I guess I had to learn, like we were talking earlier, about, Mm -hmm. you know, talking to people, you know. And I think this came from me living in Europe for so long, I didn't, there's no other people, like, foreigners like that over there. It's very select few people who spoke English, you know, so I had to learn how to communicate with people without communicating with people, whether it be, like, pointing, you know, making sounds, or just showing them, like, translation-wise, you know. But I fell in love with the idea of meeting people because it was, like, man, I guess living over there, it opened my eyes to culture, right? Mm -hmm. And I realized everybody is so different, you know, and, and knowing that, it helped me deal with people because I understood that everybody is so different.
1: Yeah. That's um, a valuable component um, of traveling and just getting exposure yeah. to realize there's a world that exists. Yeah. Not even in the simplest way of, like, obviously there's a world that exists, but you really do observe humans in different environments. And, you know, you get to see different value systems and everything right. like that. It's right. really interesting. Um, but in terms of that extroversion, you know, what would you say are recurring elements that result in fruitful relationships or connections with people?
0: I think for me, it's the follow up, because I meet all types of people all day, every day from regular people to celebrities to whomever, you know. and. The biggest thing with that, I feel like, in meeting people that is like, and, you know, the fruitful thing about it is that a lot of people, and I tell this to my friends all the time, they meet people and it's like a pass by, You know, you may see them again one day, but whatever. What I like to do is maintain relationships. I maintain relationships where, and it's a sense where, um, if I met you today, right, like we meet today it's not the end of our relationship. I may think about you two months from now randomly, and I'm going to text you or call you like, hey, like, I was just thinking about you. I just want to see how you're doing. You know? Or, you know, If you ever need anything, let me know. If something, You know, something like that. Um, or you come to the city, whatever. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think I maintain those relationships with people because you just never know. Life is a series of, for me, dots. You're a dot. I'm a dot she's a dot. We're all dots. How do you connect the dots? Because you just never know in life what you may need this person for, whether it's to physically do something or if it's just to talk to it. advice. You just never know, you know? And if you don't maintain those relationships, I feel like it's a loss, you know? Because you can learn from everyone and everything you go through. And I think I really had to process that. So it's like, man, I'm smart, but doesn't i'm smart but it's a different smart than you right you know things that i don't know just like i know things you don't know but to maintain these connections and you know adopt that with people it's like man i may not have to know everything because i have you who knows things Mm. that i don't know you know and how do we connect those things together so i try to maintain those relationships and balances and i think about it all the time like i'll go through my phone book sometimes when I'm doing things and I'm like, man, okay, let me give this person a call just to see how they're doing, you know? And it's not on a, oh, I need you to do something for me. It's Mm -hmm. more so like, I'm just checking on you because I want you to know I'm thinking about you, you know, and I hope you would do the same with me. Something comes along, you think of me, you know? And I think maintaining those relationships and not just having such surface interactions with people, I think it makes the biggest difference that I think a lot of people don't like, hold on to that.
1: 100%. Um, especially in this day and age where everything seems transactional. Right. Um, you know, as a person, you could view another person's action as actions as transactional. And to have somebody that reaches out um, just to check up on you or just to see how you're doing is a little rare. Yeah. And, and, and there is strategy behind it, right? You do it because you value the connection or you yeah. value having the connection. If you want to touch on some of the other elements... I'm sure humility plays a role in it as well, because sometimes you could get caught up in the ego dynamics of of relationships and interactions where, you know, whatever, like, somebody does could hurt your internal sort of understanding of who you are, and then you you automatically categorize people. So how do you, like, stray away from the ego factor in in relationships?
0: Um, I think I stray away from that because I think in knowing me and if you, like, when you meet me and you know me, that's out the door. You know, at the end of the day, I am a woman, but I deal with a lot of men. I think it's it's strange, but it's the same issue with women. Sometimes women look at me like, okay, she's a bit much, or like, you know, she's this type of person she's that, without really knowing. So on a day-to-day basis, I really do business, and I have a lot of better relationships with men, because at the end of the day, it's like, I think it's less judgmental. And I hate to say it in society nowadays, but women, we judge each other, you know? Men, I feel like, are more so on like, yeah, it's issues amongst men of like, you know, who's got the bigger you know what, like in power moves or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, my most genuine relationships come from my relationships with men. And um, I guess the ego thing, it's out the door, because I genuinely love to help people. I want to see people win. And if I know something or know somebody that can help you in any way, shape, or form, like, I'm going to do it. And it's out of the goodness of my heart because it's nothing to me, you know. And I think a lot of women now are realizing that, especially here in Houston. Like, I'm not that type of person, you know, and I'm willing to help whomever. And if I can in any type of way, I'm going to do it. And that's just because it it doesn't harm you as a person to help Mm. somebody else. You know, and they could be doing the same exact thing I'm doing, but I realize in life just because I'm doing something and you're doing it doesn't mean we're doing it the same way. And and in me helping you, it's not going to hurt me because at the end of the day, support is support. If they're going to come to my business, they're going to come. If they don't want to, they're going to go to yours. And if you didn't do that business, someone else is, you know, there's room for everybody at the end of the day.
1: Absolutely. That's a beautiful approach, especially in this competitive sort of environment um, where there's... Aspects of famine mentality, right. you know, if, if, if I help you out, it takes money out of my pocket But right. in reality, it really doesn't right. if your product is good If you're a good person and if the service or whatever you offer has elements of authenticity and and care behind them You're gonna win. Right. It doesn't matter who's doing what um, But it is interesting to observe that I observed that from the outside sort of looking in um, all of these ego dynamics in play and categorization that happens And I'm personally fascinated by it because I used to cater to that um, when I was, you know, 18, 19. I would cater to that. I would dress a certain way and value certain things and care about, you know, being higher on the hierarchy, let's say, perceivably. But it's more valuable, in my opinion, to actually make progress, like to actually be higher in real life as opposed to showing that. um, So if you want to touch on that in your journey, like how do you separate that? The desire to kind of Portray versus create?
0: So I feel like um, social media has such a big influence on this, right? Because the understanding that people don't realize about social media is that you could be anyone who you want to be on social media. Mm-hmm. You could portray yourself to be whoever, but when it comes down to it, who are you really? You know, the people who really know you on a day to day basis are the ones that, you know, are obviously, you know, dealing with you. Um, but I guess. For me, personally, an image is an image, right? So, of course, me being a businesswoman, entrepreneur, whatever, I'm in the limelight sometimes, so I do have an image to maintain. I can't do certain things that other people do, you know, and and that's okay. That's what comes along with it. But for me, I'm not just a talker. You know, I'm a, actually I, like for me, the progress that comes behind it, I work hard. People know like who know me. like I work all day, every single day. and it's not in a sense of um, like a nine to five being an entrepreneur is like twenty four seven, you know. And I've never cared about being the woman that's like showboat and like you know, and the the life of the party. Anyone who knows me who goes out with me anyways, I'm quiet. I'm in there for Mm. 10 minutes, and I'm dipping out. I'm not even saying bye to anybody, you know? You're going to be like, was Julie ever here in the first place? (laughs) But um, for me, it's more about building the legacy behind it, like for my children, you know? And my parents being foreigners and having to escape. I'm Vietnamese. My parents came over here during the war. Um, It's more so for me, it's building something to leave something for my children and for myself that when I'm not here anymore, it lives on. Right? Mm -hmm. So for me, progression in that is okay. In what I do in business, I do what I say I'm going to do. And I live by that. You know? I'm, I guess, I don't know. I'm, I don't know how to explain it.
1: More action oriented. (sighs) But there is value in perception as well. And we were talking about that before this, right? Value in visuals, value in, what you put out for the world and how you portray what you're doing because how do I say this? I mean, there's so many different analogies that come to mind, but a person may want to tune in or support you or follow you or purchase your product based on one thing you did. And that one thing could be something you don't actually want to do, but you end up doing because you know the value in doing it. And as a society, the masses majority kind of value similar things if we really think about it. We value, like, Instagram, um, certain things in, on Instagram, right? We value, like, imagery, um, fun, traveling, jewelry, accessories. We value those things perception-wise. And people that don't really live that as well seek to create it, and that takes them away from actually being able to live that. Right. If that makes sense. No,
0: I agree with you. Because... Um... It's the same thing like, in, for me in business, right? With what I do for a living. I make things look good, you know? So it's, for me, I guess it's like the balance of both worlds, right? Because I'm in the scene and behind the scenes as a creator, you know? So it's the balance of this portrayal for others. Because let's be honest, even with what I was doing with Playhouse and stuff like that, it's all imagery, right? It's mm-hmm. for social media. It's for your photos. It's for memories, you know what I mean? But that's just that, you know? And for me as the creator behind that, people always came in there and like, oh, my gosh, like, how do you feel? And I'm like, I don't feel any type of way because I, I live this, you know? It's kind of different for me to explain. Exactly. They're like, this is amazing. Like, you know, but I didn't see things how other people saw it. Because for me, it was me putting out what I saw in my head, so I see it all the time, right? So it it was really funny to see and hear and actually live in that moment after the fact. And um, I don't know. As a creator, I feel like... um...
1: That's where the authenticity comes in. Right. You you alluded to Kanye. I mean, he's just himself. Yeah. And him, him being himself translates differently to different people.
0: Right. But it's, like I said, there's billions of people in this world. There's going to be mm. those people who accept Kanye for who he is and people who hate his freaking guts, you know? And it's the same thing with me. There's people who like me there's people who don't like me. I think it's for anybody, you know what I mean? Um,
1: What's your stance on that? Likeability. <sighs> like, do you, do you care about being liked? No. I not see value in being liked?
0: No, I don't. I said because, at the end of the day, being liked doesn't, Pay your bills. Being light doesn't do anything for you at the end of the day. Like just because of what? Oh, you like me? Like you know? It's just like the same thing that you know. Girls get up, they put makeup on. We want to look presentable, but you know, you want to look a certain way. But at the end of the day, like it's just the forefront, you know. And just because someone doesn't like you doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. I'd rather be respected at the end of the day. You don't have to like me, but. To respect me is a whole nother level.
1: Let's explore that. Um, what, what, how is it different for you?
0: I think the life part is that that's just an opinion, right? It is at the end mm. of the day. But to be respected is you're going to respect me for who I am as a person and what I do. And for me, that's a big thing. Um, that's a big play that I have on how I deal with people in relationships. You know, if I respect you, you respect me, but you're going to respect what I do. So you don't have to like me. Mm. I'm okay with that.
1: So how do you personally go about, I guess, earning respect may be the wrong phrase based on this interaction. I feel like you don't really seek to earn respect. Um, unless you do through your work. I don't want to speak for you. No, but.
0: I don't think, no. I, I don't feel like, you know, about, it's about earning respect. I feel like respect is given where it's due. mm and in what I do, you have to respect it because I try not to do what other people are doing. That's been my biggest thing in life in general, and me as a person. Call me the black sheep, but that's me. If there's a hundred women out here and they're all doing the same thing, they all that there's something's available, everything is pink, and they pick the pink one. And there's one little green thing over there. I'm gonna go for the green one because I don't want. What everyone else wants. I want to do what's different, but that's just me as a person, you know. And I feel like that is a big thing because I think for me as a woman and a woman in business with a male-dominated industry and what I do, right? You have to respect it as a woman because I'm not, I don't talk about it, and people know. Like my friends, they'll be like, "Okay, Julie said she was going to do that." some point in time, it may not be today, tomorrow, a year, two years from now, at one point I'm going to do it because I said I was going to do it. And I bring my ideas, like, fruition, you know? And I manifest stuff. I honestly do. Um, and even the car wash that I'm doing now, it's like I manifested this, you know? I've been thinking about this for almost two years, but it just didn't come into play because timing is a big thing to me, too. True. Timing is everything. So, yeah, I, I think, you know... Respect, yeah, it could be earned, you know, at the end of the day. Um, But there's just certain things that it's just a given, you know? You just got to give respect for it too.
1: Absolutely. Uh, 100%. Um, I like that you mentioned timing. Timing goes hand-in-hand with patience. Yes. And patience goes hand-in-hand with the favorite buzzword of this century, delaying gratification. Right. What's your experience with that?
0: Um... So with, I guess, patience is a virtue. That's a given, right? So in dealing with time, time is of the essence. You know, when my mom passed away, she passed away at 49, super young. I realized we don't have time, you know, but in the same token, you have to appreciate the time that you do have. So in our conversation we had earlier, where it was like, okay, if I focus in on something and I'm doing this, I try to focus in on that because I don't like to spread myself thin. And if I'm doing something, I'm doing it at 110%, you know? And that's just me personally. Mm. So with that, I spend my time doing something to do it well if I'm gonna put my
1: name on it. Where do you think that comes from?
0: I think that was instilled in me as just a child growing up and knowing, like, I never wanted to half-ass anything, you know? And I think growing and getting older and getting into business and stuff like that, I realized, like, shit, anything you attach your name to, that's who you are, you mm-hmm. know? So, then, the, like the conversations had where you don't have to like me, but you're going to respect me in a sense of I, when I do stuff, you're going to know. Like, I do it with a passion and from a place where if I'm going to put it out there for the world, I did my best, you know, to give this, to you guys, and
1: the quality is what warrants the respect.
0: Quality is everything for me. Yeah. I've always been about quality. It's quality over quantity any day. That comes to relationships, friends, down to the handbags I purchase, to, to the food that I eat. You know, quality is everything because the essence behind quality is that it's something that's timeless. You know, good quality it lasts forever. Hundred percent. You know, versus doing something quantity-wise, it doesn't last. Even with friendships, you can have a hundred friends, but they're not really your friends, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just a hundred I call them associates, (laughs) just people. Because if you have a hundred friends, you have to really sit there and think about, how are you friends with? You're not giving your a hundred to these hundred people. I'd rather have five friends that I can give my hundred percent to versus a hundred people, you know? It's it's about quality.
1: Absolutely. I've explored this in the world of entrepreneurship and quality is important but I think quantity also results in higher quality yeah. meaning if you put in the reps It'll continuously come. and I'll use the example of this podcast when I started I was focused on quantity um, primarily to get better at it right and to get familiar with the interactions and it served me well because quantity also contributes to consistency right. which is super valuable and important but at some point, there has to be a balance between quality and quantity. And I'm curious to hear about that in your entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey. You know, was it always quality-oriented from the beginning? Or did you start and then say, okay, I have to start and then I'll apply my value or my standard of quality?
0: I'd say in the beginning, beginning. Yeah, it was just about putting something out, you know. But then over time I realized it was, you have to put more into it in the beginning. You know what I mean? To build something of quality. The quantity is going to come. I would say if you build something, if I build something, they're going to come. Just because for me, you know the quality that's going to come from it. Because if you know my taste as a person, you know, you can't half-ass anything with me at the end of the day. So I think in giving that, you know, I guess to the people, you're going to know it's of quality.
1: Could we give an example of that? Because I think it could be really valuable to share, like, how you think and the process behind implementing quality.
0: So I guess implementing quality for me, in a sense, is this. I had this conversation with my business partner yesterday. Who are we as people? Who you are as a person and what you apply to yourself. So, okay, let's say, for instance, we're opening this car wash, right? We go to car washes all the time. Every week you go wash your car. You know, the weather is beautiful. Okay, what do you look for when you go to this car wash? What do I look for when I go to the car wash? I know I want my car washed. My business partner wants his car wash a certain type of way. So we have to instill that into our business, into our employees, and implement that to them knowing, hey, it's the cleanest service you're going to get because this is what we require. So if we need to up-price some stuff, change our products, whatever, it's of quality, right, versus other car washes who are about quantity, Cheap products, cheap labor, you're in and out of there. You're going to get your car washed, but it's not going to be at the level that, you know, you Mm. typically would want it. But you got your car washed, right? We don't want that. We want the, hey, I paid a little bit more, but it was of quality where I'm going to keep coming back to this car wash because it's worth it, you know? So I think in that, implementing that, it's who we are. I would never put out a product or start a business of something that I didn't love, and I tell people this all the time because people call me every single day and ask me to sit down with them to help them with their business, which I have no problem doing. But I always ask them, "Do you know how to do this business you're about to do? Did you do your back? did you learn how to do this? Because it's easy to invest in something, you know, but if you're not knowledgeable about the back end of it, it's not you're not gonna have any. Like there's gonna be nothing that comes from that, and it's gonna show in your quality of work, right? So that's like with me and always knowing, I said, okay, my girlfriend, she want to open a hair salon. I'm like, but do you know how to do hair? No. Well, you should probably take the time to learn how to do that before, mm-hmm. because to me, it's also opening this car wash. You think okay, anyone can wash a car, right? I really don't like know how to wash a detailed car. It's pretty basic, but. You are damn right. I'm gonna get out there and learn how to do this in case something ever happened, I'm the boss, right? But I also know how to be the worker, and that's where people don't understand in entrepreneurship. You have to know how to be the worker, put in the labor. In case something does happen, your employees don't show up, and then you're shit out of luck because you don't know how to do what you're supposed to, like what they're doing yeah, exactly. as the owner. No, like, and that's gonna show. And if I'm going to be out there detailing a car, that's going to be the cleanest car I've ever had because it comes back to me.
1: It's the work ethic. My yeah.
0: name is on it. It's my worth ethic. And like the foundation. Okay. That's, yeah. It's a
1: really, really admirable approach. And you're right. A lot of people miss that in yeah. this day and age. It's about creating something, putting something out for the wrong reasons. Yeah, because so.
0: they always think money. Yeah. I think for the masses of people now, it's understood. Like everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. No one wants mm-hmm. to work a nine-to-five. No one wants to work corporate. They're like, okay they want to be an entrepreneur they want to open a business but it's so hard opening a business i don't think people understand the groundwork of it you know unless you really know what you're doing you build it they're going to come but the groundwork a lot a lot of these small businesses you wonder why like banks don't give these you know loans to these small businesses cuz they know 9 out of 10 these businesses are not going to survive it's the truth of it you have to have the real worth ethic to put in to the business that you're doing. Cause it's so easy. And I know from experience, it's so easy to say you want to do something, but if you don't have the foundation to back end it, to really do it, it's never going to work.
1: And you know, it's, it's even more tricky now because you get gratified and validated for saying you're going to do something right. before you actually, pr- pr- uh, what do you call it? Deliver. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this idea and your friends are like, oh, that's so cool. They start looking at you as an entrepreneur air quotes. Um, But you have to deliver, and being an entrepreneur is way more difficult than working a job. Yeah,
0: because it's a 24-hour job. Like It never ends. Nine to five, you clock out at five, it's over. Like You Mm -hmm. can tell your boss, see you later. But when you're the boss, everything falls on you Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And that's the part of being an entrepreneur. It's hard. It's hard as hell. But it's a process, right? Everyone has to be a worker at some point. You have to know how to be the worker in order to be the boss. And then to be the boss then one day you could be the investor. The investor is the only person who doesn't have to work. The boss still has to work, just like the worker has to work. The
1: investors are, in my opinion, the real bosses, you know?
0: Exactly. So that's, I think it's a transition for me, that I aspire one day to be the investor, where I have these business ideas. I have a hundred million business ideas in my head, and I'm an executor. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. It just has to make sense, and timing. I could have this idea in my head like I've had for two, three, four, five years. I'm going to sit on it because timing is everything, right? But when I decide to actually execute it, I'm going to deliver it. Mm -hmm. But like I said, it's a matter of timing and when I'm going to do it. But I also don't like to, I guess, put too much on my plate. That's why people always ask me. I could open three, four businesses right now, you know? But it was the transition of me learning, too. I had to close the art gallery, while transitioning to build out the car wash. So it was like I'm still doing both at one time. And I was like, Oh, this is like an overload, mm-hmm. you know. But now the car wash is open. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be here, you know, figure this out, be hands-on for the first few months, you know, and then I'm going to trickle off, and I'm going to do what I want to do next, which I know what I want to do next already. It's the execution part now.
1: I guess this is also probably a recurring question. How do you manage time? <laughs>
0: I don't. <laughs> I don't. I wake up every day, I'm like, oh shit, okay. So, I think time management for me, it's more so of having um, a schedule. Like, I do the same thing every day, and the most part, because I have kids. You know, I get my daughter up, get her to school. I do, like, certain things every day. And then, of course, it's like, you know, for the most part, structure is a big thing in life. I'm very structured all together. And I feel like, being structured in business and entrepreneurship is the number one thing that you need because without structure, it's chaos, and where there's chaos, there's no, there's no final, you know, it's no final outcome, it's, uh, and I don't live my life in chaos. When things get out of structure, anyone who knows me knows I go silent because I need a moment to figure it out, you know, I'm gonna figure it out, but when there's chaos, I remove myself, and that's in anything, even with Mm. girlfriends and
1: relationships
0: drama and mess it's not worth it oh no i i removed especially if that you have time.
1: aspirations and you want to build something yeah real um and like you said you spoke on the legacy aspect i'm curious to hear about the work ethic part a little more um if if any instances from your upbringing come to mind was it instilled in you through parents or was it environmental
0: um i think through my parents So, you know, they're foreigners from Vietnam, so uh, first generation. You know, I was born and raised in Boston, and my parents had nothing when they came to America. So my mom worked two jobs. She went to high school, learned English here, worked two jobs. My dad uh, worked at Nissan growing up. He was a a mechanic fixing cars, you know, so he knew everything about cars. and my mom, she worked at uh, this company in Boston called the Bi- Boston Scientific Corporation. So mm-hmm. she, imagine, didn't know English, went to high school, got her diploma, and got into this uh, industry where she was building, um, I don't know what you call them. They're the little tubes that go into your blood, your veins, to open up like when it's clogged
1: not sure.
0: Yeah, but that's what she was doing. She was building Mm -hmm. them. Like imagine she didn't speak English when she came here. So I'm like, you know, my mom she worked two jobs. So she was gone all day. My dad was a mechanic. So my older brother like raised me. But it's more so in a sense like we raised ourselves, you know, our parents worked. I was like shit, but if we wanted nice things, like our parents had to work. We wanted to eat whatever we wanted to eat. They bought us I never wanted for nothing growing up. And I think I wanted the same for myself as an adult. I never want for nothing. If I want something, I'm going to
1: find a way. What do you mean by want for nothing?
0: Want for nothing in a sense of uh, if you want something, you can have it.
1: Mm, But it's like,
0: what are you going to do to get what you want, though? Because, you know, things can be given to you. And I understood that growing up. My parents gave it to me. If I wanted something, my 16th birthday, I got my driver's license. I wanted a car. You know, they bought me a car, bought me a brand new BMW because I wanted it, but I knew the worth ethic that came behind it. My parents worked their ass off to get me that car. So I said, okay, I have to apply that as an adult. If I want the Chanel bag, I have to work to get, like, you know, this Chanel bag. And me as a woman, I don't depend on a man for anything because my mom, she worked her ass off. My dad worked too, but my mom was the real hustler between my mom and dad. Mm. She was the one that was like, okay. I got it from her, and I can honestly say that because, and I realize as, I guess, in a way of society, you know, men are supposed to be this type of way. Women are supposed to be this type of way, but with, I think, this day and age, it's a crossover. More women yeah. are doing more than men, and I feel like I'm a part of that category in a sense where I don't feel like because you're a man, you can do something I can't do. Because if I'm going to do it, and I hate to say this, I'm probably going to do it better than you because women are more detail-oriented than men.
1: There's an interesting uh, statistic. By 2033, I think like 40-something percent of women are going to be single voluntarily because they can't find men in their tax bracket. I and, can, and that speaks I to the that, that speaks, speaks to the effect of, of it making speaks money to me
0: in a mm-hmm. sense too. Like um, I know I can't just date anybody, you know, and I know that I like to do nice things because I can afford to do nice things. So I would have to date a man at the caliber where he can, I guess, do those things that I like to do also. But I'm also the type too, that if I want to do something, I'm gonna do it. I don't care how much money a man has, because I got it. I can easily. it. Is money take care a factor?
1: This is kind of a segue, but is money a factor in how you
0: perceive
1: and value?
0: No, and yes. Two reasons why. Um, I've dated for love before, um, but love, love is just love. People fall in that love every single day. There has to be more to it than love, okay? Money doesn't play a factor in it if you have the ideas, Right? Because for me as a woman, an entrepreneur, and a thinker that I am in, in business, I have the money to make it happen. And if I don't have the money to make it happen, in the other sense, too, I meet a lot of men who want to do business with me every day because I have the ideas and they have the money to fund it. So I guess it goes both ways, right? So in a sense, dating for love is nice, but dating with a purpose is nicer. In a purpose, Mm. in a sense, you have to date somebody who is compatible with who you are. And not just in love and relationships in life, in what you do for work, and I feel like in, in partnership. you know. So now, as I got older, I'm 33 now, I've been married, I've been divorced, I've dated, I've seen what's out there. I think now where I am in life, I have to date someone on the same wavelength of me as business.
1: That's what most entrepreneurs kind of value. Yeah. They're almost looking for a business partner.
0: Yeah. And that's what it is. Um, Because at the end of the day, like I said, people fall out of love every single day. Fall in and out of love, let me say. Mm. But if you have something else to fall back on, it's always a foundation there. So now it's like, yeah. uh, When I meet men, it's funny because when they get to know me, they're like, oh, shit. Okay. So what are we doing together? That's the first thing they say. Like, what are we doing together? Like, let's. Do something together, and I realized that for me, that's my love language. How can we make money together? It's sad, but it plays a role in, of course, the other aspects of it, right? You obviously Obviously, want to love the person with. You have to, like, you know, be attracted to the person with, of course. But it's like, man, the love language is how can we make money together, and that's something that's like, as an entrepreneur, I think, and any entrepreneur is going to tell you the same thing, like, oh that's green flags I to see all these red flag memes all day on mm. Instagram that's a green flag for me
1: that's a big green flag cuz it's hard as a man who has aspirations and desires to find somebody that can understand right that's like the biggest thing just understanding not I'm even contributing right uh, contributing is a plus right it's just basic understanding and um, i think
0: a lot of men too especially the men i know they're great men with money they don't know what to do with it, or they do know what to do with it, but the execution part is hard. But I think that's for anybody, man or woman. Execution is everything. And I always mm-hmm. tell people, it's easy to have an idea. People have ideas all day, every day. Yeah. But can you execute that idea? And that for me, I'm like an executor. You give me an idea, I'm gonna curate it, and I'm gonna figure out a way to execute it. I'm gonna deliver you a product or a whole business, you know, on the back end. Um, I guess designed around that execution, you know.
1: Relationships factor into that. Yeah, as well.
0: everything. Like, I know, and my friends always laugh at me because they're like, just call Julie. Like, why would you call Julie? Because Julie knows someone for everything, which mm. I do, but those are the like, maintaining the relationships I told you that I've made throughout these years. Yeah. Yes, I know someone for everything, and they're going to pick up the phone every single time I call them, and they're going to come through because they do it for me, they know I'm going to do it for them. And it's, that's the, the the game of life people don't really know in the factor of like and it's not about transactional being like you know okay you did this for me like you owe me this no it's genuine i got you you got me i got you that's it and i think the black and white is the beauty in that that people don't and i've learned that about houston i could say people mm. burn each other all day every day here so fast without realizing like you messed up like why when yeah, you burned me for twenty five hundred dollars, let's say, but why? When I could have helped you make twenty five thousand dollars, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the long run, had you not burned me just trying to run off on twenty five hundred dollars, like you know. And I think that people don't understand that relationship aspect of um, bad business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's short term um, gain sacrificing yeah. long-term potential gain. Right. That it speaks to the effect of the competitive nature, right? You're like, I'm going to get what I can get now because I don't know what's what it's going to be in the future. But if you build genuine relationships, your ROI in the future is greater.
0: And that's the pro- problem with society nowadays. Everything is in the now. There's no longevity mm-hmm. in anything that these people are doing. And Truth. the game changer is the longevity. Who's going to be around the longest? What business... And that's a big thing, too, I've learned over the years in dealing with entrepreneurs and business. My friends always told me, like, I have this one friend. He's very smart. He said, in producing a business, it's nice to do business of what you like to do, of course, putting out there what you love, right? It's cool because you want consumers to love what you love. They're going to buy into what you love. But what can you produce that is essential to life? The two guarantees in life are life and death. I always thought about that. So one day down the road, I had my little book of things to do. It's like, what businesses or what can you curate that has to do with life and death? Why hospitals make so much money? Babies are born every single day. You know? And why, you know, um, more, like, you know. uh, Supplement uh, companies. uh, Yeah, like, you you know, anything that has to do with death.
1: Um oh, uh, more true. I like, mean I meant like life in terms of like right, log- right, living right, longer right. and stuff. But
0: in and just like in the aspect of everyday things, you know. And the big thing too I wish people understood is I wish I'm gonna do this one day. I'm gonna have a seminar and talk to people about life insurance. I don't think people understand the life insurance is like the uh, it's a g it's like money given to you for something that is guaranteed to happen, you know what I mean. I know but, what you mean. So and, it, and I always wonder. I'm like, people, like, why don't you have life insurance? I should. I should have sold life. I should probably start a life insurance company <laughs> now that I'm sitting here thinking about it. But it's like one of those things where it's like it's a guaranteed thing in life.
1: But it's like a guarantee for somebody else. For
0: somebody, but for somebody that why. you care about, though, or somebody yeah. you know that it's a like you said, you're leaving something behind for somebody else you know? And that's one thing I say because I've never met a person who had life insurance who paid more for their policy than the life insurance actually was. Mm -hmm. You always make money off of it. It's sad because it's in death, but it's one of those things in life where it's the smartest thing ever. Like, you need life insurance. Now I'm just sitting here thinking about it, man. I need to look into that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, that definitely, I I agree. It is something that um, is more valuable then yeah. it isn't yeah and um people should i guess be open-minded to long-term moves not but just short-term and
0: also that like in thinking about business you know what's lucrative right now is what's essential like mm-hmm. man i sat there one day during COVID and i was like man i need to start a freaking toilet paper company and it's funny because one of my friends the other day he was like man i'm gonna. Find out how much those machines are. We're gonna come up with our own toilet paper company. But it's stuff like that, you know, um, that you just don't think about. It's stuff like everyday. Essentials, things. For, Essentials for other human beings. Yeah, and it's stuff that, you know, people go to the grocery store every single day in the just like water. You know, one of my good friends came to my car, wash the other day, and he was like, I'm about to start my own water company. I said, you know what? That is an amazing idea because you sell water. There's so and, much money in water. Yeah, I said, you have a business that provides water. Why would you not start your own water uh, isn't company? Isn't
1: though? The fact that water yeah. is a 1000000000 multi-billion dollar yeah. industry.
0: Yeah. And you need, We're made of water. We need mm-hmm. water to live. But no. you think about that. There you go.
1: Definitely one of the best approaches that you can take to business or creating a product especially is create something that you need
0: right.
1: or that you would need. Right. And create something that, uh, in, in that you create something that everybody else will right. use and need. But then you could, you know, you have innovators and pioneers that create things that people don't know they need.
0: Right, so it's, it's different. Like, there's different roads you can go down in entrepreneurship, whether it's doing something that's already been done that's okay, because 100%. it's the world we live in, just because a 100 people have a toilet paper company, doesn't mean you could be, can't be a 101. You know, they might like your toilet paper from the other ones, you know? Or water, every wa- water company tastes different, you know? Like you just It's one of those things too, I feel like um, the innovators, of course, amazing. We need them. Because without them, the world would just stand still, right? Innovation is everything. Just like we talk about technology and now how I hate smart things, you know? (laughs) It's so smart, it's stupid sometimes. But those innovators create these things that we need because the world is constantly evolving. But then there's the essentials. Like, you know, the people who, okay, let me just take what you've already done and make a better version of it.
1: Innovate the essential.
0: Yeah. So it all ties into each other at the end of the day.
1: Absolutely. Well... That was about fifty minutes. I know it's so <laughs>
0: long. I'm so sorry. No, <laughs> you're
1: laughing. good. That was awesome. I really appreciate you being here, um, and thank you again for for setting it up, coordinating it. Um, please let the people know where they could find you: website, car wash, anything else.
0: Yeah. Okay. So um, Jules Oxo on Instagram. Um, so my company name is District One Inc. Um, so I have the Instagram for Playhouse HTX. And then my new car wash that's about to open is So Fresh, So Clean HTX. Um, and that's the only car wash right now that's going to be in the third ward. Um, and my website, I think it's playhousehtx.com. I don't know. It's constantly changing because I'm involved from business I'll put to it, business. I'll put it in Yeah, questions. but thank you so much for having me.
1: Appreciate it.